Hey everybody, thanks for listening to this episode of My First Sketch. I'm Josh Hyam. If you haven't done so already, subscribe to the show, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. Get it automatically. It'd be really cool if you rate it five stars and leave a review wherever you get it. Like the podcast on Facebook, facebook.com slash myfirstsketch. Follow along on Twitter at myfirstsketch. Head to myfirstsketch.com. I promise you, I just posted a bunch of really fun things in the blog section in the last couple of weeks with some of our friends from Toronto Sketchfest. Any questions, thoughts, recommendations, feel free to email me at josh at myfirstsketch.com and I'll get back to you in a timely fashion. With this quarantine effectively shutting down live comedy for the foreseeable future, Philly Sketchfest and My First Sketch have, have joined the online comedy world with Sketchubator, a sketch comedy incubator. We're using Zoom, and the next one will be this Friday, May 15th at 10 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. We're inviting some of our friends to share some of their new untested material, and then if there's time and interest, we'll open up the floor to anyone else that has something to share. It's basically a sketch comedy open mic online. MyFirstSketch.com, PhillySketchFest.com will all have more information on those shows. We're going to do them at least twice a month for the foreseeable future. The first one was so much fun with sketch writers from Edmonton, Toronto, Washington, D.C., North Carolina, Atlanta, and of course, Philadelphia. And I'm so looking forward to this next one on Friday, May 15th. Uh, But before we get started on this week's episode... Here's a word from our friends at Sketch Nerds. Are you a fan of sketch comedy like Monty Python, Key and Peele, and Saturday Night Live? Have you ever wondered why their sketches are funny? Or maybe why that certain sketch didn't make you laugh? On the comedy podcast Sketch Nerds, we aim to answer those questions while having fun talking about the history and craft of sketch comedy. Every episode features a guest to help us break down our favorite sketches, as well as those submitted by listeners like you. So come nerd out with us and listen to Sketch Nerds at badmedicinecomedy.com slash sketchnerds. All right, so here's the deal. As I try to program this podcast, I have this list of people that I consider evergreen. People who are fairly prolific, who are always doing shows, but are sometimes too busy to schedule a time to chat with me because it gets fairly difficult. Sometimes it takes a global pandemic and massive quarantines for me to reach out and get this person as a guest, when it feels like she probably should have been a guest in the first year of the podcast. Today's guest is Jackie Baker from The Flat Earth and the incredible shrinking Matt and Jackie here in Philadelphia. Jackie's first sketch is called Movie Trailers. I read the role of Ryan and give you all the visual information that you need to know. Jackie reads the roles of Kelsey and the movie trailer voiceover guy. So let's get to the sketch. Kelsey and Ryan sit in a movie theater. This summer, Channing Tatum stars in Gunsford 3D, the man with guns for arms. Kelsey and Ryan zoom with glasses in front of their faces. Awesome! Yeah, I'm so glad I ditched my dumb dad's birthday dinner to go to the movies. (laughs) Yeah, your dad is dumb. In a world where dads have birthdays. Whoa, your dad has a birthday. One dad is forced to eat a never-ending pasta bowl all alone. Fox Searchlight Pictures presents Sad Dad. Kelsey and Ryan stare at the screen. (laughs) What a loser. 
Kelsey and Ryan high five. Uh, well then, uh, also coming soon, Sad Dad 2, The Revenge. He's filled with pasta and rage. This summer, the humiliated becomes the humiliator. (laughs) That announcer's voice sounds familiar. Oh well! At Jemison Elementary School, 1999. Hey! I went to that school in 1999. (laughs) Remember that deep, dark secret about field day that I've alluded to, but never told you about? Oh yeah, that deep, dark secret about field day that you've always alluded to, but never told me. Focus Features presents Field Day. Friend versus friend, black versus teal, and the tug-of-war shark heard round the world. Painting the town brown in surround sound, winter 2014. Kelsey looks terrified. It's a documentary. I bet you're in it, Kelsey. VHS footage provided by Kelsey's mom. Did he just say Kelsey's mom? (laughs) Me, Kelsey Kirkland. Average daughter until one day she got her fancy pants college degree and became too good for her old man. Dad? Uh, 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 no, no, not dad. Just, uh, uh, the movie trailer announcer guy... Kelsey Kirkland stars in One Bad Daughter. (gasps) Ryan stands up. Hey, that's my best friend you're talking about. Ryan opens his shirt to reveal a shirt with a photo of Kelsey on it. Thanks, best friend. Kelsey stands up revealing a shirt with Ryan's face on it. Oh, uh, well, Castle Rock Entertainment presents Shut Up, Ryan, and Learn How to Use a Coaster. Dad, I know it's you. God, you're such a petulant child. You're always doing stuff like this. Disney Pixar presents... Daddy doesn't know what you're talking about, sweetie. Every single time I go to the movies, you narrate movie trailers that are personal attacks on me to get revenge on me for being a lousy daughter. God, no wonder mom left you. One man, abandoned by his wife and daughter, will learn to love again. Kelsey's dad stars in... Tantric sex with Ryan's mom? Ryan and Kelsey are shocked. A Tyler Perry film. Kelsey gets up. I hate you, Dad. Come on, Ryan. Let's go. Kelsey and Ryan leave down the aisle. We should see that movie about that stupid girl who sharts herself. Shut up, Ryan! Oh. Kelsey and Ryan exit. Uh, Kelsey, wait. Uh, Daddy's sorry. Kelsey? Kelsey! TriStar Pictures is proud to present Sad Dad 3. Tantric sex with Ryan's mom. Blackout. Hey, Jackie. Oh, hey, Josh. How's it going? So tell me about this sketch. Where did this idea come from? Okay, so I, well, let me just give you a little bit of background. I wrote Mm -hmm. this sketch when I was very miserable. Um, (laughs) I was working at a job that I hated, and um, it may or may not have involved call center work. Mm. Um, And I, every now and then, had to take a mental health day, and I kind of couldn't get out of bed one day and I was like you know what I'm staying in then I realized it was a Friday and sketch up or shut up was that night 
Okay. And I, at this point, really hadn't written that much. Matt and I worked on a couple things. We were kind of just starting, I think, our thing. Um, the incredible shrink of Matt and Jackie. And I, uh, yeah, so I gave myself the deadline. So I was like, I'm going to have this sketch. I'm going to have a sketch done by the end of today. And then I'm going to do it on stage with Matt which is very ambitious. Um, but yeah, so I did it. And the idea uh, <laughs> from a lot of a lot of the early stuff that I wrote was pretty much kind of um, self-deprecating, yeah. uh, kind of jabs at myself, um, or I would kind of use people in my life, uh, maybe exercise some demons I had <laughs> about myself or them or both. So the the details in the sketch are semi autobiographical. Um, I did not sharp myself on uh, <laughs> on field day, but uh, yeah. So there was not like a sharp hurt around the world. Um, but yeah, so I kind of that that's I kind of used to have to start with something that was kind of real and then kind of expand off of it. And I think I got maybe a little subtler over time, but, right. um, so this was like me being a weird, sad, more suburban version of my dad, but this is, this guy is not my dad. My dad does appear in a sketch, but it's not this one. <laughs> um, so does my mom. Um, but yeah, so this is, this is kind of about, uh, you know, regrets and some, deception and stuff <laughs> and I, I think like so you mentioned on a friday you wanted to have something to do at sketchup which is our open mic which was our open mic here in philadelphia for sketchy medians you wanted to have something like so you wrote this yeah like, at least at first draft of that quickly like yeah because which, I know I've tried to do that too and I've generally failed miserably or it's been like like just a, like a one pager Something really quick. Yeah. This is a full scenario. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is also this, I believe this is the second draft. So I don't remember the exact details because this was 2013 or 2012. I forget mm -hmm. what this was. Um, but I imagine what I did was I probably reached out to Matt and was like, yo, homie, I'm going to write this sketch. I probably, I would have used the word homie back then. And <laughs> Um, and Matt probably helped me either. He helped me edit it at the end or I might've like kind of used it as a sounding board. I don't know. Um, but yeah, but anyway, no, I actually do remember this sketch weirdly kind of flowing out of me, which is rare. I think I was in such a bad place and this is bringing me like such weird joy that it was just like, Ugh. it was like, it was like a weird release. And I just remember like cracking up in my bed, typing this out. <laughs> so yeah, no, it was wild. And then, and then we did it on stage and I was so nervous. Do you remember how it went? I don't. Um, it's also weird. There's, you know, the mechanics of having um, the God mic person. I don't yeah. remember who did the voice on the God mic. Um, obviously it wasn't Matt because he was my best friend. He was right there. Yeah. Um, but I, I think some of the jokes I would hope landed. I think like, 
the tug of war one I was especially proud of. Um, but, and we did have, uh, at this point we didn't have the t-shirts made, but when we actually did eventually perform this one at the arts parlor for, um, what was it called? Sideshow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we actually did make up t-shirts <laughs> and I still have them. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So it's a nice little souvenir. Um, and you can keep it for whenever you do like your best of 10 year anniversary. We have actually thought about doing this one. Dig again. the sketch back up again. Yeah, yeah. We did like a B sides kind of show at one of the black Friday comedy marathons. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't remember if we did this one or not, but I feel like it, if we didn't do it, it would have been a contender. Cause it's actually, it's quite easy to do. Yeah. And, um, but there's a lot of dialogue, so we might not have, because <laughs> we would have been hosting too with Hey, We're Cool. So I was, you know, we were kind of trying to be a little easy on ourselves. Oh, absolutely. Like, especially, yeah. Because we were like, that, that, that is definitely something I learned with Black Friday is like, you might have the best sketch ever, but you have to like not tax yourself. Yeah, it's, like, it's a, an endurance test, it's a marathon, like, not a sprint. Black Friday Comedy Marathon is not the place for your five page dialogue with tons of like paragraphs like it's not your aaron sorkin sketch time at all <laughs> yeah no uh there's not the hallways for it and yeah. also everyone is crammed in a big sweaty room and you probably have no sleep so it's <laughs> your you're it, it's like a um you have to yeah i'm trying to think of a good analogy for that it's like you're you're assume you're gonna do poorly and then kind of build up from there <laughs> which maybe is my attitude towards everything assume i'm gonna do that and then <laughs> be pleasantly surprised if it goes well you had mentioned that and I, and I know this from you know you know talking to you previously but you had basically joined the sketch comedy community as primarily performer first correct were you always a performer kid like did you do theater like as a kid and boy howdy did i um <laughs> <laughs> so i w- I guess I started doing stuff at a very young age because I, this is like, this is some weird Jackie Baker info for you. Um, I don't usually speak in a third person, but this is really (laughs) weird. So when my mom was pregnant with me, uh, she's a very tiny woman and a little baby me was like too big for her tiny body. So my hips are actually kind of messed up. Like they're bent in a little bit because I literally was like in a fetal position. But even that I was like, oh my God, lady, you need to open a room or two in here. Um, (laughs) And so when I, the, the doctor, basically a doctor was like, um, so yeah, your kid's like, (laughs) gate is going to be pretty messed up. I was like severely pigeon toed because Mm. everything was kind of bended. So they're like, she either, you either have to break both of her legs and rotate them and put her in a full body cast for a year, or she has to do sports or she has to do ballet. And ballet was the thing I had to do for a very long time. So, and that's, that's a performance based thing. I mean, I had to go to dance lessons all the time. I hated it. Um, I actually love it now and I really appreciate it now, but it was a little too disciplined and not that joyful. Um, right. Oh, I, yeah, it's bad. Like, yeah, like, like, and they used to yell at me cause my turnout, like the way that your feet are positioned, 
uh, the, the goal is to get the best turnout as possible, like to be the most open angle uh, that you can with your feed. And they'd be like, you need to work on your turnout. I'm like, yeah, that's literally why I'm here. This is like court mandated, like ballet. I have a um, prescription to be here. Yes, I'm working exactly. on it. Like, oh man. See, if I were that clever when I was like six, I totally would have said that. Um, <laughs> so yeah. And so it was all a nightmare. I was so bad at it that I, and I looked younger than everyone my age. So people thought I was younger because I was so bad. The whole thing was just like, really mess up but anyway so i had to do performances i had to do dance recitals and get dressed up and um and but i did like doing that i love doing like the shows and stuff that was like very fun um i loved a good costume which hello um <laughs> and so yeah so i had to do dance recitals um then i started taking i started taking piano lessons when i was like three <laughs> so and that forces you to do recitals which i actually hated i really and i still cannot play the piano in front of people it's this weird mental block i have i cannot do it um so i had to i was like there were these opportunities where i was forced to perform in front of people um and then i also did uh i liked being on stage like doing the dance stuff and i don't know if you're familiar with bucks county very much not not totally, but enough that I probably okay. will understand what you're going to say. All right. I'm not going to quiz you on it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but there's um, a place called Bucks County Playhouse, which... Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, you know? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Great. Um, so they had a summer theater camp for kids. And I remember having to try out for that. And I just sang, I sang a song from the Toy Story soundtrack. And it wasn't You Got a Friend in Me. It mm -hmm. was a different song that I can't remember. Um, but we did a play, and I'm going to say it was Charlotte's Web. <laughs> and I was like, Townsperson 52 or something. <laughs> which is a role that I would have all throughout my like middle and high school theater career. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't actually... I, okay. I was like bold in my friend group, not, I wasn't confident in myself. Yeah. So, and I wasn't like naturally a gifted performer, you know, I didn't have like a knockout voice, but I loved singing and like, I didn't have the biggest, like craziest stage presence, but I loved being on stage. Um, so I, that's why I love, I love doing theater anyway. Cause I was like, I will be, I will be a backdrop. I will be a tree. I love doing this thing, doing live performance and stuff was just like so fun. Um, and that was like all my friends and boyfriends were uh, kind of tied into that world. And I did choir too in high school. So yeah. And I'm in a it's, choir now. It's all coming like very full circle. I, 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 like, I just think it's interesting that you were very happy to be on stage <laughs> performing physically, you know, whether it was dance or theater but not performing an instrument. Yeah. Oh. Like. Yeah. It's weird. It really, I like still don't, I think, you know what the thing is? Okay. So when you sing with a choir, your voice blends in. I never yes. got solos because I, I tried. Um, and I still might try for one, but I, yeah, I'm not like, I don't have, I don't have a gift. Um, but I have a lot of training. So that, that has helped. Um, 
but um sorry i lost my train of thought uh yeah so the playing the instrument thing okay i don't like people seeing me mess up right and, and that's kind of what i thought i was thinking that like if you were doing a, a piano solo like a, a recital like that like which i would assume would be just you and a piano yes it's very obvious when you screw up whereas if you're on part of an ensemble yes if you flub a thing as part of the chorus no one will notice except for you exactly and and the p- other people like directly around you like on stage yeah but hopefully like they're doing their job too yeah so, so it's okay they, they might side-eye you a little bit but they'll yeah. keep going yeah and also i don't have like a very powerful voice so hopefully my choir mates will attest to <laughs> i'm not i'm not bad um but yeah, no, and with, with live performance, there is other people there. So if you have a line, which I often did not, um, then yeah, hopefully somebody will react in the moment. And the theater, the, the audience might know that you made a mistake, but there's like room to kind of pick it up. And same thing with sketch right. comedy. Like I, okay, another thing was I used to be much more of a perfectionist when I was a kid. I was like straight A student. I was achiever. I wanted to do anything to like be uh, recognized and like, uh, you know, a school was my thing. I was like very yeah. competitive. I was good at school. And Me too until about sophomore year. Really? And then wait, yeah. did you burn out? A little bit. Yeah. Or did you just yeah. kind of disconnect from it? You're like, whatever. Yeah, that too. <laughs> all the above um but yeah with um what am i talking oh piano right so being a perfectionist yeah so i could not have people hear me practice the piano that was very painful i like it like made me i felt like somebody was like clawing the inside of my brain when i would be playing the piano and like i heard the door open and my dad was coming home and i was like i have to stop it was like it was like i was doing something illegal it was like it felt so bad for them to hear me practice. And my parents used to be like, yo, you got to practice the piano. I'm like, ah, can everybody leave the house? Because yeah. I don't want you to hear how bad sure, I am. Yeah. You're going to think I'm like dumb or incompetent, but that really that's just what you have to do. Um, so like, I wanted to just like hide it away. Like anything I would write, you know, I would kind of like stash away. Like I didn't want anybody to see that unless it was finished. So it was, yeah, I don't want people seeing me mess up which is why actually i'm not the greatest improviser nor do i love improvising because later i'm like ah oh, i could have said this thing i could have said this thing like ah it's just like it's very frustrating to me and oh, yeah, for I, sure. i'm not laid back enough like <laughs> and and i i think i'm 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 so much better now than i used to be when i really i first started doing improv in like 2011 and i only did it for like a year and once I got the flat earth stuff I was like oh yeah bye see ya I, <laughs> I was using improv to get on stage to get comfortable enough again so that I could do stand-up that was actually my original goal uh so what was like your earliest memory of comedy like what what were you into as a kid oh okay well here I'm gonna have two things to say go for it I'm always making an outline in my head so <laughs> my first comedy role which was like very awesome at the time and awesome now. I don't know. I'm sorry, Josh. I did not get that much sleep. You're um, fine. You're okay. Okay. Uh, so I was uh, a gifted child and 
I, as a gifted child, in elementary school, um, we would do Shakespeare plays. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we did, we did them. I don't think they were, like, abridged. We, like, they, we went for it. Um, and so there was The Tempest, and we were doing that in fifth grade. And, you know, all of my, uh, all the other dorks, um, <laughs> all the other dorks I was friends with or whatever, we were all trying out for this play. Everyone wanted to be like Prospero or whatever, Miranda or Ariel was the like spirit on the island or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, there were literally three Ariels. There was Ariel one, two, and three because all the girls wanted to be Ariel. Um, I got cast as Trinculo, which is a drunk jester. <laughs> um, and it was like a role that I put down as like, it was like, put down your three roles that you want. And I was like, well, I have to put Ariel because everybody wants that one. So I'll put that one number one. Um, and then I was like, Trinculo. And my teacher was like, uh, obviously you're going to be the drunk jester. <laughs> like, obviously you're the, you're the goofiest one here. Like, uh, and I was a Nickelodeon kid and I would write like weird stories. I, I had a poetry club with friends of mine, but all my poems were like funny, weird poems about like diving into a couch and like what the world under like in between the couch cushions is like and everything you find there. Like, and they were like writing about like an autumn day. And I was, you know, um, <laughs> Not. I was eating candy off the ground. I was like, <laughs> uh, so yeah. So I be so I got to do this role as Trinculo, and I had to wear this like giant jester hat and these like crazy shoes. And people call me Bell Girl because they weren't clever. They couldn't think of a. They were smart, but they weren't like funny. Um, and but it was like thrilling, and I had so much fun. I had so many lines, and I was like, oh my god, and I just like ate it up and. People thought I was great. And years later, even my, my teacher who did that play, she was like, you were great. And I actually came back to my elementary school to see they did a version of The Tempest. And I was like, oh, my God. And uh, but that that trickle was like so much better than me. <laughs> Not to throw shade at like a career, <laughs> but I'm like, yeah. Um, but anyway, I feel like those like full roles in Shakespeare have to be the most fun. Like I can I the, the full in in King Lear. Oh, yeah. Like. There's a couple of little smaller parts I would do in King Lear because they're only like, you know, in for one act in and out. Yeah. And that sounds great to me. But then if, if I'm in some, if I'm one of the characters that's in more than that, I want to be the full. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It just sounds like you, you did more theater fun. too? Oh, no. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, I didn't have that confidence at all. <laughs> what did you do? Can I interview uh, you now? <laughs> I, I did sports for a little bit and then I realized I wasn't good at sports. So I just, I did more writing stuff, more like newspaper, that oh, kind of nice. stuff. Yeah. I was never confident. Okay. Here's I was confident in my writing as a kid because I had a teacher in second grade, Miss Stem, who was like, Jackie's a really good writer. She's like, whatever. There was a camp called Young Readers, Young Writers. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if this is a widespread thing or a Bucks County thing, but she was like, I think you should go to this camp. And so for like two years, I went to this camp and it was, it was amazing. It was like a bunch of kids just like coming up with ideas for stuff, writing little stories. Like it was so fun. So like I was encouraged and, and I actually, at that point, if I were a gifted singer, I would have said, you know, when I grow up, I want to be a singer or because I watched a lot of TV. I was like, oh my God, I want to be an actress. And I actually did go to like a modeling agency twice when I was a kid because I was like, 
mom, I want to be an actress. And they're like, okay, do you want to do this for real? And then it was like, you'd like pay something or, uh, the earliest time I went, I was like, mm, I actually just want to play with my friends more, which honestly, good call. Yeah. Um, because child actors, so I feel bad. Yeah. Um, but then once I was encouraged to do writing stuff, I was like, I want to be a writer. I want to be yeah. a journalist. I didn't even know what journalist meant. I was like, I want to be a journalist. Um, and then I got to middle school and I was like, oh my God, everyone's a better writer than me. And I just shut that dream down. I was like, nope. Yeah, we're not doing this. Um, because I was competitive. So I was like comparing myself to other people and we had to write some like weird joint newspaper thing for like a project. And I was like, oh my God, my writing is trash. I can't. And actually, um, uh, my high school, my AP English teacher in high school was the most, uh, what do I want to say? terrifying but awesome like teacher he was like a dead poet society guy he was like so mm -hmm. inspirational everybody loved him he would play like jazz in the background we would talk about stuff you know it was like it was great it was perfect but um i was in a really bad place senior year so i i was doing very very poorly in that class and um and uh i visited the high school years later and uh I was like, hey, uh, just so you know, my writing professor, I have a writing professor at college, and he said I'm like a really great writer, and that high school teacher laughed at me. <laughs> and I was uh, like, yeah, okay, so it's been verified now that I'm not a good writer. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that's bad. It's bad when you think these things, and then somebody actually like laughs at you. Like, I will never forget that moment. I'm like, oh, all right, well, fuck, fuck me. I'm going to, I guess... Uh, jump off a mountain or something. Um, oh my God. Yeah. And uh, I was so put off. I, I really loved doing theater in high school, but there was, you know, it was a lot of drama and a lot of egos and stuff. And yeah. I wasn't talented, so I didn't have any of that. I was like, oh, I'm just, uh, I'll just dance in the background here. So when I went to college, I was like, I'm not majoring in theater. Like that would be crazy. And also like, do I want to be surrounded by that all the time? No offense to my theater friends. Um, so I, I was a psych major because I was like, I, I like people. I just maybe don't need to like be around them all the time or like perform with them all the time. But I was coerced into doing a play in college. I was like, I'm not doing it, I'm not doing it. A friend of mine was directing it. And I got to be a comedic role in The Bald Soprano. I was like the um, the maid. And okay. that being on stage again was thrilling. I was like, oh. I really didn't miss this a lot. Like, I really kind of wish I had done more. Uh, I didn't go to a big theater college. I went to a big music college. Mm. I did choir and stuff, but I was like, damn it, this theater thing. Ugh, I still like it. Um, you know, maybe I shouldn't have written off theater people so strongly. Um, so, yeah. So once I left college and moved to Philadelphia, I was like, I need a friggin' hobby. I don't know anybody here. I'd gone to college in the Lehigh Valley. And I grew up in Bucks County, but I didn't know anybody in Philly. Me and my friend Clint were like best friends. And we were like, let's move to the city. Woo! So we did. And then a coworker of mine's like, who was an actress? And actually, fun fact, was an extra in the village because she had red hair, just like Bryce Dallas Howard. Nice. She was like, you should do improv. And I was like, should I? Okay. So I literally just like Googled improv Philadelphia, came up with the Philly Improv Theater, and here we are. <laughs> so th there wasn't much time between graduating college and starting and taking that first improv class. 
No, it was, I graduated college in 2009. I was in AmeriCorps for a year in 2010. Okay. And I was like traveling and doing all sorts of like crazy uh, projects all over the place and wearing steel toe boots. And, uh, and once I got out of that, I was like, I, I don't know what I'm, I still don't know what I'm doing. I did AmeriCorps because I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And the recession just hit. Yeah. And like, so everybody was kind of screwed. And, um, not that I was doing anything. I, I didn't have any ambitions to work in like the private sector, but I was like, yeah, I don't know. So then, yeah, after college or, and after AmeriCorps, I was just like, I just don't know what I want to do, but I know I want to move to a bigger place in a different place. So I applied for this job at a nonprofit, got it, got my friend in there too. And we moved down here and yeah, that was it. And then I luckily did make friends down here and now I have a lot of friends. <laughs> Uh, so you Google improv and you find out about uh, Philly Improv Theater. Who was your first improv instructor at FIT? Andy Moskowitz. I don't know if you remember. Okay. Him. He was I in do. a group, Fletcher, brilliant weirdo. Um, so fun, so great. I actually met Molly Silverman in that class. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, I became friends with her. And she was already friends with Abigail Burley and mm -hmm. um, this girl, Rachel Nichols. And so like they had this little friend group and I was like, Oh my God, I love these people. Um, there's also, and, and our class for the most part, we became an improv group after that one one class and we were called Nielsen and. Okay. Yeah. I remember Nielsen. Oh, hello. I don't okay. think I ever saw them, but yeah, I That's remember okay. that being a I thing. was terrified whenever we had to perform and it was <laughs> not, it felt bad to me, but it was, I had some good memories and, um, and yeah, but actually, yeah, later on in that group, um, Dan Corkery was in that group for a hot second. Kate Bamford was in that group for a hot second. Um, yeah, but anyway, uh, I met them and then Jess Ross. So our initial, Andy Moskowitz was our initial director for Nielsen. And then he, I think, stepped away. Or he moved to New York, actually, I think. That's what happened. And Jess Ross who was doing improv stuff um, with Asteroid. Um, she became our director and she was very awesome. And she was like, hey, we're, I just auditioned for, to be like a writer for this Philly house um, sketch team. And y'all should try out to be actors for it. And I was like, no, I can't do that. Like, I'm not that good. You know, improv makes me nervous. How can I do sketch? Uh, I don't surely have a, a deep love of theater that I've suppressed for years and years. <laughs> and years. <laughs> so, but then I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I really literally have nothing to lose. Um, so what I did was, and I actually just found this, Josh. I was going through my papers recently because we are moving. So I, mm. I still have like all my comedy stuff and like a little, little thing. I found, uh, I... They were looking for somebody who could do a German accent because there was some sketch that they wrote that I don't remember what it was, but it had Matt would know it had a German accent in it. And so I was like, okay, they're looking for a German accent. Um, so I'm going to incorporate that into my uh, audition. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, cause I can, I can do an accent or two. I'm not terrible. I have a good ear. Um, and so I, and this, this does not age well, so apologies here. Uh, I recited, I did a, a dramatic uh, recitation of a passage of Trapped in the Closet by R. Kelly. 
in a German accent. <laughs> and I had a glass of wine before I did it because I was like, I truly cannot. And I walked all the way from my apartment. I was living in graduate hospital. I like walked there and I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And I got there and somebody, so they made us interview with another person in the room. This was like a nightmare. This was, I hate auditions. I hated them when I was younger, which is maybe why I never got anything because I was just like so nervous. I wanted to die. Um, and I got in there and what was her name? Carolyn. Oh my God. I hate myself. Carolyn. Uh, she does improv. She's like amazingly talented. She was incredible. Like she, I mean, she's like a very good actress and she does, you know, she's been, she was doing improv for a long time. She still is doing it. So she was like, ama- like she went first and I was like, Oh, God, I was like, I felt like a little like trash boy. I was like, oh, they're gonna hate me. Oh my God. She's like, she's like doing this whole, she's like an experienced interviewer, you know, or auditioner. You can tell. You yeah. know, she's like, hi, my name is Carolyn, blah, blah, blah. And I'm, do- I'm like, oh my God, I have to announce who I am on top of do- what? Ugh. So I went up there and I was like shaking and I was like, surely I'm not gonna fucking get this. You know, I was just like, Ugh. and then. Yeah. And then later I was volunteering at a Paul F. Tompkins show that was at uh, Plays and Players and Fit somehow, I think might have like, they had Fit people doing volunteer work for that show. Um, okay. And I was there and who was I talking to? Greg Mott? I think it was Greg or Mike or, yeah, it probably was Greg. And he was like, by the way, you got in. And I was like, excuse me, what did you say? He was like, you got into that sketch group. They're emailing you right now. I was like, what? I was like, are you fucking, why would I get in? I was like, real, is that a mistake? Did they switch our files? Like in Orange County? Like, is this, oh man. So yeah, so that was, that was wild. But for a while in that group, I was like so intimidated. I was like, I do not belong here. Oh my God. And as soon as this Mac guy was like, Hey, you're actually really great. I was like, Oh, Okay, thank you. I really need to hear that. <laughs> and that's kind. And also, you're mistaken, but okay. <laughs> so, with the sketch that you wrote here, like, how much time is there between the you joining Flat Earth as an as a performer? Yeah. To you and Matt pairing off as a duo and you writing more. Oh my god! Like, how much time does that take? No time. Uh, no. So we. The Flat Earth was assembled <laughs> in, oh God, I'm going to say June or July, right? Would have been? Of, of 2012-ish, yeah. Yeah, because we were, the point of that group and the other group they cast, Dog Mountain, well, they cast them at the same time, but we were doing like a fringe run. Yeah, you would have premiered at the fringe that year. Yeah, I don't even, yeah. we had a name, but I think we were booked as like sketch comedy review. Right. Um, so we, yes, and, and the fringe festivals in September. So we had to have a couple months to rehearse, I imagine. Um, so we had our big like first show. It was super fun. Oh my God, it was really great. Still wasn't confident, still talked entirely too fast. Um, (laughs) but, uh, so then I think we, the next show we did, which I'm like blanking on the name, I think we, I think we might've actually done a remount of that show, but we did it at the 
Chubin Theater. The first show we did was actually at the Adrian, weirdly enough. Um, but I think in between that time, Matt reached out to me. He was like, hey, I, I, I really think we should like write together. I really want to write with you. And I was like, what? Um, so that probably was like after that show. It was probably like October, November. And then we premiered actually our first, first, first sketch, which we read on your show when we were on together, um, which has my mom in it. Uh, that was for the December, uh, was called theme show. So that was like the first Friday or Saturday or something of that December. So that was when we like premiered our first sketch that we were writing, I guess, October, November. Okay, so I completely like, and I'm sure we talked about this when I, you know, we had the the full the duo on the podcast. I just completely missed you guys because that's when I dropped out oh, and disappeared really? for a while. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah, because I did well. Like, so Are the you fun, in like judo range. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Which I also like never really saw. Maybe saw once, and then sure. I think you guys like disbanded or something. So that was yeah, like, a name uh, I saw written in past, like Philly sketch yeah that that summer fall of 2012 was a very weird time where like i you know this those two sketch teams started with fit and i was very like i'm not going to submit stuff for that because i have a team and then like a month later to my team completely crumbles (laughs) and i have like a a, like an awful fringe experience with another show that i don't we don't have to talk about okay and then i disappear like for about a, like a year and a half almost like so i completely miss like you know the the formative years of flat earth What's shrinking okay? man jackie dog mountain and everything like i didn't see the first the first time i saw flat earth like probably was like 20 like 15 or 16 oh, where you had already whittled down to like basically like five of you <laughs> we had, yeah from so the 12 that started down. yeah yeah. Oh man. Well, that's, I mean, honestly, like I look back on those like first years very fondly, but I think like we got better as a group over time. So I'm not going to say you didn't miss anything because there were some really good moments, but yeah, we, we, I think, I think 2014, 2015, we like really hit our stride. And then, and then we kind of just like kept going at a, we, yeah, we just stayed strong. Yeah. I, and I'm always curious, like, uh, so you are working in a duo yeah, with Matt and also in a bigger group with Matt. So how does the dynamic of working with the same person in two different scenarios works out like that for you? So I think Matt and I both like compartmentalize the Flat Earth and Incredible Shrinking Matt and Jackie. Flat Earth is like when it started was very much like uh goofy big heavily costumed uh like i'm not gonna say like genre but like you know things that aren't so like down to earth and human i'm gonna say Mm -hmm. so that group was like where like the bigger sillier crazier uh and also more elaborate maybe sketches could take place like were possible because we had the personnel for them. Yeah. So you can, you can heighten things by having certain people come in or whatever with two people. You can't really do that. You know, like it's pretty contained for the most part. Um, So because of like the intimacy of like a duo, plus the fact that we personally wanted to do sketches where we kind of 
worked out some of our more like uh our baggage i'll say our yeah. emotional baggage or damage the fact that we're like very sensitive people um you know comedy and matt, matt talks about this a lot is like comedy especially sketch comedy a lot of the foundation of it is like look at that weird thing Ugh, it's really weird you know like it's it's like inherently judgmental almost yeah even if it's not like punching down it's like let's look at this weird thing and laugh at it or like you know like it's it's a little but like matt and i aren't really like that you know like we're we're very like empathetic and open-minded and just like oh yeah i see your point so like we, we don't view you know like that sketch writing and sketch comedy is like a bit of like an extreme kind of like form whereas and you have to get a lot done in a couple minutes so it's like everything is like heightened and crazy and quick and blah 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 but like we personally like more like slow paced uh you know kind of i don't know subtle like you know we're we're like people who in our spare time we don't watch a lot of comedy stuff we watch like a lot of like fucked up horror films or like dramas <laughs> or like dramedies i mean that i would say that's like the thing that i love the most is like a thing that kind of toes the line so that's like what we wanted to do more kind of like cinematic shit i guess it's sketchy yeah. it's like very back padding i'm sorry for those um but we're like we want to see the stuff that we like but in sketch comedy where it, we don't really see a lot of it so yeah so that's we just started writing like character stuff and stuff that kind of was like stuff that we've been traumatized by and we're doing a little psychotherapy via sketch you know like it's uh just working that out and just seeing how it goes and like we've had like reactions from people where they're like oh and it's like that is such a rare sound to hear <laughs> when someone's watching a sketch comedy show and we fucking love it we're like yes like we tricked them into feeling ah we did it you know and then at some point in that space, you also start working with Manny Petty. Yes, yes, yes. So how does that come about? So that came about because there was a bit of a an exodus of people leaving Philly to go to New York and L.A. Um, and like I think Madonna and Brianna moved to New York and Jess and Kate moved to L.A. Then Aubrey was here. Am I missing somebody? Um, oh my God, my memory is so bad, Josh. Uh, I, I think of that original crew, Aubrey was the last one, is, is the last one here in Philadelphia. Yeah, but I'm like, was there or, somebody else in that group? You're like the historian. I'm like, does Josh know? I can't think of, I remember the original five. Yeah, okay. So then, but then like, like, I feel like they added like two, then two left. Like, yeah. Like, I feel like, I, I'll say this way. I don't think Aubrey was by herself. Right, as That's a what member, I'm, I'm like, like, who... like I feel like maybe Jess Ross like showed up, like you know, got in, became number six or something like that. Like, yeah, you might have been like seven or eight, and then two, like, yeah, I, yeah. So something yeah, like that. so they reached out to me, Molly, and Corinne. Oh wait, and Kate? Well, no, no, it was Kate Weigel, me, and Corinne. Yes, and. This is when Jess and everybody was like kind of moving at this point. Um, so they brought the three of us on, I think, winter of 2013. Yes. 
Um, and then after that, we brought on Kate Bamford, Molly Silverman, and is that it? Because, um, because Corinne was moving, I think. <laughs> yeah, because Corinne would have gone to New York. Yeah, so it was kind of, yeah, we kind of had to replace a couple people. That stuff, the Manny Petty stuff was definitely more female centric. So there were obviously, like, yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, in 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 uh, staffing and also um, in in material. Um, so that's that's like, oh, okay. So that was like a different kind of hat I had to put on. I was like, oh, I'm not really used to kind of exploring that in comedy because it just hasn't been a thing that was like, uh, yeah, that we weren't really touching on in the flat earth, especially. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, by what it is, it's a predominant, it was a predominantly male group. Now it's pretty even. Um, and it's also not a thing that I personally think about too much. I think about it, but it's not like a big part of like what I look out for in comedy and like how I identify myself. I've always been like a very androgynous kind of person <laughs> like i mean not not like outwardly but right you've called yourself a trash boy like five times yes in this exactly. chat. yes <laughs> yeah i i think of myself as like a little nickelodeon boy character like because that was that, that was who i identified most with as a kid maybe because there was a lot there probably because there was a lack of like female representation but also just like i was never feminine i was never traditionally feminine even though i had to like do ballet and stuff yeah i grew up with younger brothers i'm so thankful for them i you know i was like the only girl in the household besides my mom and my mom was like not feminine (laughs) my mom is like god bless her i love her she is like a bro (laughs) my mom's a total bro like she's a waitress and she curses like a motherfucker and loves the Miami Dolphins and the Phils and when the Super- when the Eagles won the Super Bowl she's like you don't even like fucking football you don't even fucking care and I'm like wow okay um, so yeah so I didn't really have a lot of like strong female role models for a long time or strong like feminine role models right uh, my piano teacher is one she also not especially feminine yeah so I grew up with like a lot of like kind of neutral women so i don't like connect so much with like things that are super uh feminine by definition i guess i don't know but i also like what does that mean anymore it's true um so yeah so being in that group i was like oh this is challenging because this is stuff i don't usually mine in comedy and it's not even a thing i super talk about and all my girlfriends are very also kind of like we're all kind of neutral and like even, and my guy friends too. Like I, I, I hang out with betas. That's how I describe it. <laughs> we're, all, we're all betas. We're all just kind of like weird gray area people, you know? Um, yeah. The, the Philly comedy community, I don't think is very, at least, you know, you know, sketch and improv comedy isn't very full of like the alpha, like super bro no no i think you find some of that even super girly too much yeah for sure yeah um i think there's a sort of bravado about stand-up comedy that attracts those kinds of people you know where sketch comedy is like a team sport and you have to be 
less uh, aggro <laughs> to work with other people. <laughs> or you can be, but then it doesn't work out well. There's too much friction. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's, yeah, I tend to hang. So yeah, so the Manny Petty thing was like interesting. I was like, oh, it's like a, it's like an interesting writing prompt because I'm like, oh, I never really thought about this stuff too much because it doesn't occur to me, but it is a part of me. So cool. So yeah, I wrote stuff. I'm not a prolific writer. So I don't think like, yeah, I, I didn't write like so much, but I was, I was cool with some of the stuff I wrote, but my tenure there was like pretty short. Sure. Um, and I don't exactly remember like how things kind of went. I think I did eventually leave. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, I, yeah. But I don't remember like how. <laughs> yeah. There's a, there's a part of me just like, you know, watching from the shows, it just felt like Maddie Petty just stopped happening. Yeah. You know, logistically it is. And I can say this from experience with Manny Petty and the flat earth. It's like, <sighs> Not so much improv because you can have a lot of people in improv group and it's fine because like you have bodies and like whoever shows up for the show is the group. Whereas with sketch comedy, it's like everybody has to be there. Everybody has to practice everybody. Yeah. So the more people you add to that equation, it gets like exponentially harder to do. So in a group of like, like the flat earth has gotten easier to manage over time. Do we have as much material? No, because we don't have as many people like churning stuff out. But is it easier to meet physically? Yes. Right. So, yeah. So I think with Manny Petty, it might have been a matter of logistics, you know? Um, it's really hard to get like six people together with schedules and, and you have people doing multiple projects at that point. It's just like, it's it's hard. And that was my third project on top of like all that stuff. And I was doing like Which, other stuff on the side. So I'm just like, yeah, I, so I think that was maybe the thing that had to go for me. I was like, I cannot manage all this. That's what I'm guessing. Well, and, but even you saying like juggling a third project, I mean, Manny Petty, I mean, yeah, Manny Petty kind of like disappears for you at least. Yeah. And then you become director of Barbara Bush. Right. Okay. Thanks, Josh. Thank you for knowing my life better than I do. I actually... well, like, it, it's just so like I always I'm always so fascinated by the people that can juggle multiple projects like that. Like I love the like, deadline. Listen, like that is the thing in my life. That's like why I'm not doing anything right now is because you know Matt's working. I was working. Now I'm unemployed. Like we kind of were broke, and unless I have a deadline for creative stuff, I'm not gonna do it. Like, yeah, like it feels very unfortunately and i wish i weren't this way and i like wished i worked this way for so long but now i'm like i think this is just who i am if i don't have a prompt or a deadline or something that is external pressure making me do a thing i can't do it if i do i can run myself ragged like i will do everything right. get everything done i was doing social work last year it was the exact same thing it was like oh i'm juggling 70 people great uh <laughs> you know like as long as i know what i'm working with and like what the goal is Hell yeah, pile it on. I'm I I get I'm a workhorse if there's enough to do, but if there's not, then I don't I'll do anything. Yeah, I'm the same way. Where like if if there's a due date, if there's a you know a deadline, I can handle it. Like, but yeah, if, you, if it's you were an A student too, Josh, you get this. If it if there's an open endedness to it, like this podcast, like there are so many weeks that like I've like, and this sounds just so awful, but like I just haven't edited the episode. I just didn't put it out. Because no one is like Demanding on my case, it. yeah. Like, 
don't you wish there were? Sometimes I wish my therapists were like my homework manager. I would just like, just tell me what to do and then I'll do it next week. Like, yeah, there's, not like, how yeah. It works either, but, <laughs> there's definitely I, a part of me that like wishes that there was another producer like, hey, mm-hmm. episodes go out on Tuesdays. Put them out on Tuesdays. And I'm just like, if it goes out on a Thursday, no one's going to, ma- like, it doesn't matter. Do you want me to be the like, producer? <laughs> do you want me to be like, Josh, put it out? Well, now it's even harder because like, like I used to, tr- I, I was trying to schedule episodes to like promote people's shows when i would talk to them yeah <laughs> now it's like uh watch them there's nothing hey Eat they have the a website on zoom like yeah what? like <laughs> True. Where I'm, I'm, tr- I'm trying to create material and, and throw stuff out there but like there's nothing to promote so there's no de- that that's the inherent deadline is that whatever they're promoting yeah and that's actually so, a really good um that's a nice little uh, kind of device not device but that's like a nice part of doing it that way it's like it feeds yeah. the podcast feeds the the live things which feed the podcast. absolutely yep and that was that was something i came up with like five episodes in i was like wait if i just don't like if i actually like try to promote people all right i it becomes easier to schedule it becomes like hey promote your thing with me like yeah oh man yeah, it's and just- that's why I haven't talked to you in four years because you were constantly doing stuff. So I was, I was like, "Oh, Jay, I can do Jackie later. I can do Jackie for the next show." Here I am. And then four, I'm not, I'm four years later, there's nothing happening, <laughs> and here we are. Oh man, Josh, weird times. Um, weird times. <laughs> so how how does directing uh, Barbara Bush come about? Like, okay, how do you get involved so- with them? It's funny. So this is how I remember it. And there was a bunch of other people. So maybe this is wrong. Um, I remember seeing them. I think they might have opened for the Flat Earth at one point. I don't remember what show it was. Um, I'm going to say this is 2014. Yeah. Um, I would say probably 15. Okay. Maybe, maybe like 14. Yeah, I think it was, this was like winter 2014. Yeah, because that's when I start stepping back in. So yeah, okay. 14 probably. Because they did, they did a show and it was like a Christmas show. Like a Christmas okay. sketch set. So either they opened for the Flat Earth or they maybe did a show before us or something. But I saw them and I was like, oh, I really like these people. And I really like, they just started out, they were an improv group. And then they're like, we do both. Um, so they were an improv group that started writing they put this show together in like no time. And I was like, you know, there's like a lot, I want to see more of these people. I think they're great. There's a lot of different personalities in this group. Um, I would like love to work with them. And I, I've never directed anything except for me and Matt, just kind of directing ourselves. Right. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I'm more of a choreographer, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, I was like, eh, I mean, is that weird for me to like say I want to be there? You know, I was like, I can't foist myself upon these people, you know, (laughs) but what I can do is, uh, accidentally get too drunk at Bonners and then chat them up. And then they kind of mentioned that they need a director. (laughs) And then I kind of mentioned, I would like to be in that director. And then they say, okay. And that's how that happened. (laughs) It's truly a precious moment. And honestly, I was like very, I couldn't believe that they had, thought about that and then i had thought about that i was like oh my god we swiped whatever on each other because i've never used a dating thing um left right up down um uh so yeah so then that's so i was like okay 
but okay. So then we like met up at, um, I forget what it's called. There's a place on Walnut Street and it's a bar and then has a little cafe attached to it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Is that, um, Bards or? Yes. Thank you. Or Irish Bar. Which one of those? I think it's, it was Bards. And so we met up there and had a little like dream team meeting where I was like, what do you guys want from this? What do I think? You know, like, and we kind of just like, and at the time there was like seven people in that group, I think which also got whittled down. Um, yeah. And no, the whole thing was just like a, a fucking blast. I, I really, I like have such sweet, tender feelings about all of them. I love them so much. And we're still in a text chain together. Um, <laughs> but we went to this, the first festival they ever went to. I was like adamant on getting them to do festivals because I had experience at like Toronto and, and um, I guess Chicago at this point, maybe. And I was like, oh my God, festivals are fucking shit it's so fun you got to get out of philadelphia the philadelphia is great but it's like it's so fun to take a little sketch yes, vacation absolutely like, oh my god it's like the the coolest it's like this other side of the thing that you don't really think about and then it's like oh my god wow there's a whole world out there um so we went to this festival called the crossroads comedy festival and, and that was indianapolis right correct ding 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 um and it was the f- second one i think they ever did and I found it, I kept it, I kept like all these festivals on a spreadsheet and I was like, this is one we can totally get into. We can do it. It's not too far away. So we can like drive there because we're all broke. Um, so we did. And and the show itself. So I was very proud of like the stuff they put together. Like the sketches were great. They had a really nice, like, there was a great like range of material because they're all like such different people. So they came up with... Mm. At this point, they didn't have kind of like a unifying voice, you know? It was kind of kind of like the Flat Earth was in the beginning. You have like a bunch of disparate people kind of writing the things they want to write. And we're like, all right, cool. And then you smash it together and do the best you can to kind of tie it together. Um, but Crossroads was primarily an improv festival at this point. Mm. So they had like a couple sketch groups, but not a lot. Nor did they really have the tech prowess that Philadelphia did. Yeah. So we went there and they gave us an hour and we were like, an hour for sketch? No, like, don't, why? It's terrible. Like, you can do that with improv, maybe if you like split the block up, but that's an hour is way too long for sketch comedy. Like, way, 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 way. Um, and so anyway, so we're like, fuck it. Let's make it work. Let's do like 50 minutes, leave some time for whatever. And we had, and because I had been influenced by like Paul Trigiani, I was like, sky's the limit with tech, you know, and like costumes yeah. and all this. I was like, oh my God, we can go so big. You know, we're going to like knock their fucking socks off because like everybody there is just wearing all black and, you know, we're going to come in and be like the friggin' mummers parade of sketch. Co- you know, like, I just like didn't even think that logistically this wouldn't work out. It was a total fucking nightmare. The tech was like not working. I had to control all of the video stuff from my laptop in the front row Hmm. so i was like tech operating we had to like reformat all the stuff at our hotel so i spent like two hours like sweating i think and having Catherine amrine help me and i was like oh my god we're gonna fail the quiz like it was like (laughs) it was a bad dream i was like oh my god i i'm i fucked everybody over because i was too ambitious and I'm, I'm, their first experience is going to be terrible at a festival and they're going to hate me. You know, I was just like, oh my God, I cannot discipline these people. I care about them so much. And I was just like, Ugh. so 
They did it. And, you know, I'm not going to say it went off without a hitch tech-wise, but we did the best we could and it was good, you know? And I was like, so proud of them. And I think there were some tech things just like that probably just did not work. They were in the booth, they controlled the audio and I had the video. So I'm sure there were things that did not line up. Um, even though I gave them a whole like script and everything. So I was, I was like, oh my God, we were so spoiled in Philadelphia and holy shit. Like that was, that was a real eye opener. Um, and it was a festival that was only in its second year. So they were, you know, they were working stuff out. Whereas Toronto, yeah. Chicago, like those have been around at this point for a long time. So they know what they're doing. Um, and it's like a theater town, both of those places. So, you know, so as, so that experience was like very mixed but then we watched a lot of other sketch, sketch groups and we're like, oh my God, we can do this shit. Like, we were great. We were great. It was fine. Like, it was, you know, we had uh, some great material and we met this duo from Chicago who I'm sure you've talked with, Pure and Weary. I did. Yeah. We I talked to them while they were at work in the lactation room at their office. What? Be, that's that's where they set up what they, they set up. They... <laughs> In the lactation room at the office, and That's incredible. halfway through us talking, a, a a mother comes in to breastfeed, and they're both like, "Uh, we'll we, we'll we'll go to the conference room. Like, this is your room. We'll, we'll leave." <laughs> like, that is so funny. Yeah, so we met them there. They did this show that blew us away. We love. We like instantly all like fell in love with them, and we would just like keep looking at each other. We're like, oh my god. <laughs> and we were like we were like oh my god oh, like do you think they want to be friends with us like we were just we love them so much and their show was like so well put together they had like very few costumes props you know it was like kind of chicago style deep ditch yeah. deep dish sketch um no where they were just like kind of wearing all black minimal costumes but like amazing acting and just like oh my god and they were like doing things in the crowd like they were like yeah so the way they did things was like totally different than the way we were doing things and we were so inspired by it. And we're like, oh my God, we love these people. And yeah, we hit it off and we're like still still buds with them. And they like have come to Philadelphia and stuff. And because we were like, please, 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 please come. Um, but they're they're just like totally lovely. So so the the experience was not for naught. And also on that trip, uh Frank Farrell came with us. <laughs> So it's funny. I'm texting with a particular member of Barbara Bush right now. Are you? And she sent me a text. Ask her about the bottle of Arbor Mist her and Frank shared. <gasps> oh my God. So, wow. I didn't remember that, but that's <laughs> probably, you know, it's, that's why. Is this Julia Hudson? Are you talking about Julia Hudson? Yes, it is. Oh my God. Say hi. So, okay. So <laughs> after that show, I think it was after that show, we were like, you know, so nervous, so nervous, blah, 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 that it was, we just like needed a release and we were so, Frank and I were both just like so friggin' like proud of them, you know, I'm just like, oh my God, like, I just love these people so much. This is like photo, I can very see clearly in my mind, we're sitting in this like restaurant and there's like, it's all like red lit in there and it was just like warm and fuzzy and I was like, ugh, like that's how I'll always remember these people, you know? Oh my God, I'm gonna start crying. Um... <laughs> I really do. I really like, I, I love them so much. Um, but so we were just like beaming, you know, we were just like, Oh, we were just like proud, like parents or siblings or I don't know, whatever. And there was an art. What was the Arbor Mist? The Arbor Mist might've been in someone's. Is that a wine? Yes. Josh, it's a wine that only like wine ants drink. Right. Um, exactly. It, it's, yeah, it's, 
It's Karen's wine. Yes, it's Karen's wine. Yeah, that's the yeah. second. Uh, if Karen's dream had a uh, sequel where we all got back together now, it would be Karen's <laughs> wine. Um, so yeah, so that wine. Oh God, I don't even remember. I think it might have been one of those things where it magically showed up. Or we went to a liquor store and that was the cheapest thing. I, Julia probably knows better than I do because <laughs> Frank and I, I feel like we were like doing a bit or something, but we definitely drank that bottle of Arbor Mist and I think we got fucked up. <laughs> I think. I don't know. Ask her. Um, but it was also funny because Frank, so we, we traveled there in two cars because there was like seven of us. And I think Courtney texted us. was like, is that okay if Frank comes? And I was like, Why? I was like, we have all this stuff we have to do and blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, yeah, I mean, we're all like, okay, yeah, sure. Let Frank come. We all, we all actually really love Frank. So like, I was like, okay. But I was just worried. I was like, is Frank going to be bored? Like, you know, blah, blah, blah. Frank had the fucking, I think he had a great time and he slept on the floor. We all shared one hotel room. One. My gosh. Yeah. One. And he insisted on sleeping on the floor. Like, please, Frank, don't sleep on the floor. Do I'll, I was like, please let me sleep on the floor. He's like, no, I'll do it. I'll sleep on the floor. And he was just like, he was such a, a nice presence there. He was like our cheerleader. He was like there, right. and we were like stressed out and stuff. And he was, just, Frank is just, he's, he's a lamb. I love him so much. And yeah, having him there was like so fun. And also funny because we had like a witness to all of this shit, you know? Um, who could attest this up? But oh man, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure we got messed up on that one. Well, like we, and you had brought up festivals. So I was wondering, like, do you sense a difference in, and because Flat Earth's been to a ton of festivals, Man Jackie's oh, yeah. been to a ton of festivals. Do you sense differences in audiences between the different cities that you've gone to? You can't see it, but I'm emphatically shaking my head. My head's off. <laughs> yes, because I'm like a dark ass bitch, and that does not fly in Chicago. And really? No, not really. Yeah, because, okay, I don't know if you remember this sketch that I wrote. You probably do. You remember these things better than I do. Um, it's an answering machine with the dead kid. Yeah. Okay. I think, yeah, I, I do remember it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that sketch, I love that sketch. That also came from like a very dark place. It's for those listening, it's a sketch where a family has to re record their answering machine message, but one of their kids has died, but they have like a very well choreographed, like shtick they do. It's like, hi, I'm blah, 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 and blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. Empty space where dead kid would have said their thing. Mm -hmm. So the whole sketch has this like dead kid in it. And I think it's like so funny and not a lot of people think it's funny because a lot of people who are like gentler, nicer, kind of bubblier people are horrified by that sketch. And it's so depressing to them. Cause it's so, I think, cool. I think it's one of those sketches that I, when I think I saw it, I was like, Oh no. Yeah. It's one of those. So, and I love that. Like that makes me so happy. I'm, I'm so <laughs> twisted and damaged. And, uh, and yeah. And also I just like, like having the mechanic of like somebody not being there and there being like an empty chair. Cause like the sketch mm. starts and you're like, what is that? You know, like you're like, that's going to come into play. What is that? But we did that sketch in San Francisco. It fucking crickets. California, not the darkest place in the world, sure. obviously. And Chicago, I feel like is much more of like a kind of big, broad, musically. There's a lot of like musical people, like like theater actors and like people who do musicals and shit. 
And I've seen so many musical sketches in Chicago. Like, it's a different, it's definitely a different mindset. Philadelphia is like, we're a bunch of dirt balls. We all have problems. We have a chip on our shoulder. Do you know what I mean? It's like that stuff. I think of Philly as being like way darker than a lot of other places in comedy and also just like in attitude and like, you know, there's that East coast kind of edge. Um, Toronto is uh hit or miss sometimes with that kind of stuff. Um, I think our personal friends up there, like Carson, Cameron, all those people, like the comedy people love the dark shit that we've done, but sometimes yeah, the audience yeah, like, have, yeah. you know, the Philadelphians have found their soulmates in Toronto for sure. Like, 100%. And, and oh, and Montreal. I have to mention Montreal too mm. because they are freaks and we love them. Like they are, they are so wonderful. And they're, they also, Montreal, I feel like has a bit of a Philly attitude because they're not Toronto. You know what I mean? Like right. they're not the industry town. Like Toronto is like uh, the New York of Canada, you know? So it's like, yeah. Um, so that's where all like the, yeah, the ambitious people go. Whereas Montreal's like, it's there, it has its own flavor. It's French Canadian, you know, it's like, it's like, it's a, it's an outlier a little bit. So they have a different attitude about them as well. Um, so yeah, so yeah, Toronto and Montreal, I just, I, I love them so much. I miss all those people and I really want to go back and do stuff again. Um, Mm. and yeah, so no, but yeah, oh, oh my God. And also differences in audiences when it comes to like parents coming versus other comedians coming. Oh mm. my Lord. Uh, yeah, parents, like my family have seen some stuff that Matt and I have done and Flat Earth has done. Like Matt and I did this sketch where these two dogs are going to be euthanized. Yeah. Um, and we have like a little romantic uh, conversation before that inevitably happens at the end when you realize that that's what's going to happen. Uh, my great aunt was just like, yeah, wow. <laughs> it was real. I mean, we talked, we kind of, uh, we showed what senility and like uh, bodily decay, how that affects people emotionally in a sketch comedy where we're wearing like dog ears. Like, you know, yeah, that, that stuff's real, especially older people who are like afraid of these things and are, you know, uh, looking towards the end of their life, maybe. <laughs> yeah, right? I know. It feels like cruel when I'm saying this. I'm like, oh my God. Our intention was not to be cruel. It was like to show a thing that you don't really see too much and have like a real moment, but as dogs, you know? Yeah, that might not have been a sketch to invite your great aunt to. Yeah, probably not. But it was in Bethlehem. That was the closest, <laughs> you know, I could get her to come to a show. So, yeah. Uh, I ask everybody, um, who is your favorite SNL cast member? Um, I'm probably gonna say, uh, Bill Hader. Mm. I I love him so much. I think I if yeah. anybody if anybody was like, who is your celebrity crush? It's definitely Bill Hader, like 100. <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, so Matt. I'm like, oh, maybe. Hey, um, uh, clearly I have I, a type. I mean, <laughs> you're, if you're gonna bring it up, I'm. I don't have to now, so that's okay. Yeah, yeah, but no, I just he's such a brilliant weirdo and uh he's a shapeshifter and i just he's great yeah yeah i I mention all the time like because whenever he comes up i always mention my favorite sketch of his was like his first or second episode where it's al pacino checks his bank balance oh i didn't oh i didn't see that but i know he's an al pacino oh my god 
it's legit it's the dumbest thing on earth is he like oh uh, oh where he's he's Ooh, on the phone talking to a customer service rep asking how much money is in his checking account like oh my god and that's it that's it uh it, it's it's like he's at like and it's like so how much is my checking all right so how much is my savings and the savings is like seven million dollars and he's like all right put forty dollars for my savings into my checking and it's just so stupid but oh, i love it it's oh, it's, it's so fantastic dumb. i also love um kate mckinnon obviously and Kristen wig i like those those kinds of weird will forte like the fucking weirdos man yeah. i'm like give me the weirdos rachel dratch always like i had like a very soft spot in my heart for her just like the fucking weirdos, you know, who are just like kind of crumpled up pieces of paper, and you know what I mean? Like, like Kate McKinnon's characters, where she's just like uh, batshit insane, or like uh, there was one where she was in some sort of a focus group. Do you know what I'm talking about? She was no, she was abducted by an alien or something. They oh, got those, those alien sketches. I I think she oh. said that her entire purpose is to make the host laugh. Oh my god! Like that's all she's doing in that sketch. She's so good. Like being as weird as possible to do. Yeah. Maybe the most talented person that's ever been on that show. I just I don't know. I mean, maybe that's hyperbolic, and I have some recency bias, but no, I don't. I she's 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 like incredible. She's oh, she's fantastic. She was great in Ghostbusters. She's great in fucking everything. Um, but yeah, no, I love those kinds of people. And Kristen Wiig's weirdos were just so inspirational. I was like, oh my God, I, will, I just want to be this woman. Like, she's so great. <laughs> and then I just like read about these people's backgrounds and they're just like normal ass people. And I'm like, yes. Yeah. And now Kristen Wiig's going to be a supervillain in a superhero movie. Like, Amazing. And that goes to show yeah. you like comedy actors are so versatile and you kind of yep. have to, and this also sounds back padding, but I think the the bet, my favorite comedy actors are people who can kind of do both um mm. who can like tap into a thing and commit to a thing so hard and they can do dramatic stuff almost just as well as they can comedy stuff you know and bill Hader, i mean barry is like phenomenal it's so good and yeah. i just like feel for this guy and he's so weird and complicated and i'm just like ah i love this shit um yeah no i love them uh as we're winding down our conversation here uh what's something that you've learned about comedy or that comedy has taught you that you would pass on to a new writer oh um definitely i mean first thing that comes to mind is like uh first draft is not best draft first draft is worst draft um first draft is where you vomit out all your ideas and then you can refine them later i've always been a person who edits as they go and i'm i'm still kind of that person unfortunately that's like very hardwired in me because i don't want to see people seeing me mess up you know that, that's me too yeah and it's it's so bad and like so not how you should write stuff and matt's yep. like so the opposite with that he's like an actual writer <laughs> no but it's like he he understands like the structure of it a little i i'm i understand the structure of it but in practice i'm really bad um yeah i kind of follow where my brain wants to go so i would say yeah first draft oh my god it's garbage don't zero stakes approach it with zero stakes and then just go from there um also like write out a lot of ideas first before you like really commit to something like i don't really even know what that means that just came out of my mouth like come up with a bunch of ideas the first idea is definitely not is possibly not the best idea but maybe is like the germ of that idea is the thing that is like gold but just like keep keep thinking about like do do a lot more thinking and planning before you write a thing 
or not, or fuck it. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I don't know anything. That's what I would tell people. I'd be like, why are you asking me? Don't ask me. <laughs> don't ask me. Also, the, the thing I would also tell people is like festivals, like, especially, I mean, when you're starting out, it's like that you can't, I guess you could go from zero to 60, but just like, take your time, find yeah. ways to workshop stuff, talk to other people. I mean, I'm somebody who like, I cannot create in a vacuum. So finding other people, finding like-minded people to work with who kind of get my sensibility. That is like the thing that is the most valuable, I think. Yeah. That's why I, Matt and I work so well together. We understand each other. Yeah. Uh, and you mentioned that, you know, like the, the idea of needing a deadline and everything, but like <laughs> yeah. comedy has been such a big part of your last, we'll say decade just to round up. Yeah. Uh, why comedy? Oh, cause I'm just a, I'm just a weird person. I've, I, that is like, if we're going to psychoanalyze myself, um, you know, that is like, I've been through a lot of shit in my life and that is just how I, that's just how I process it. And so mm. I think it's kind of, and I, I enjoy it. Comedy is inherently fun. And I'm, I think of myself as a fun person who likes to have fun and it's a social thing. And so I've met so many like incredible people and I'm going to start crying again through this thing. <laughs> um, uh, and yeah, it's, it's just like such, you just get such a high from doing it. Such big thanks to Jackie Baker. Jackie is a member of the Incredible Shrinking Man Jackie and the Flat Earth here in Philadelphia. Both the Incredible Shrinking Man Jackie and Flat Earth have a number of film sketches on their respective YouTube pages. I've actually added a few of my favorites on a blog post at myfirstsketch.com. Jackie also mentioned that she joined a choir, the Anna Crucis Women's Choir, which you can follow at facebook.com slash Anna Crucis Choir. I hope I'm saying that right. If you want to hear my chat with Matt and Jackie together from a few years ago at the Philly Podcast Festival, head back to episode 63, which will also be posted in the blog section at my first sketch. Just another reminder about Sketchy Bader, this Friday, May 15th at 10 p.m. Eastern. Head to myfirstsketch.com slash sketchybader for the Zoom ID and more information on that fun night. My First Sketch is a Philly Sketch Fest production. You can find out more information at phillysketchfest.com. Follow Philly Sketch Fest on Instagram at Philly Sketch Fest. The music on this episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com. Like my first sketch on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This is Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening. Thanks for understanding. <laughs>